You are listening to Grace and Mercy Podcast. This podcast is for people who want to know the grace of God and how it changes the way we interact with the world. I'm your host, author Darlene Bojek, and in this episode, we are going to find out the 27 ways Luke teaches us about grace. This is a continuation of the last episode about Luke. So we're going to go through the four words that we have, charis, eucharisteo, Cairo, and kara. We're going to go through all of those in the book of Luke. We started off by seeing that it is tied directly to the advent of Christ, to the coming of Christ. When Christ came, Luke started talking about grace. So we're going to go sequentially, and each time we come across a word, it might be charis, eucharisteo, kairo, kara. We're going to talk about what that says about grace. We're going to kind of do it fast, so hold on to your hats. The first time we see grace in the book of Luke is chapter 1, verse 14. The angel said to Zechariah about John, He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice at his birth. This is the word kara that we we saw before, the joy. So kara, the joy is double in in that sentence. We have, he will be a joy, and many will rejoice. So two times in that. The third time we see this root is when the angel meets with Mary. He says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So what do we know about that word, greetings, O favored one? Greetings is kaire, you favored with grace. These are right next to each other. Kaire kikaire tomene. So we see grace. The first time the word grace comes is when Mary is given this greeting. And it's both the joy and the actual word charis. Kikairatomene. You favored with grace. Greetings. You favored with grace. The Lord is with you. Remember that we we had said that perhaps God with us is part of the word grace. That is what was in the conversation in Exodus 33. You have to be with us, was what Moses was saying. And then, blessed are you among women. Then, Mary was troubled, you remember? Mary was greatly troubled. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So that is the actual word grace right there. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So as soon as she is introduced, as soon as Luke introduces us to the word grace, As soon as God introduces us to the word grace, he introduces us to the the Savior. Luke 2. 
angel has appeared to the shepherds, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And just like we saw with the the wise men in Matthew, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, double-double uh, of the impact of grace. Here we see again the joy, that the promise of joy, this news is a promise of joy. So grace brings joy. And two, you know, uh, when they were asking a favor, it was, it's something I want. It will make me happy. Like in the Old Testament, if I have found favor in your eyes, do this for me. We say, do me a favor. But it's just, it doesn't carry the same weight, I think, as as this joy. We're not asking someone to to bring this exceeding joy to us. We say, hey, do me a favor. Can you, can you pick up that cup? You know, I mean, it makes me glad that I don't have to do it. Or can you do me a favor and sweep this? Okay, you help them out and you've swept something. But a favor like this, the kind of favor of God's grace, I think is, a, is beyond that. It's something that brings joy. Something that brings joy. Like party favors don't really make a person joyful, but it's it's kind of adds a little boon to the party, right? Having little party favors, unless it's a really cool party favor. Okay, next time is when Jesus is a child. It says in Luke 2.40, And the child grew and became strong filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. We see in Luke that every time grace is mentioned, Jesus is right there, since he got brought to the temple. Then Luke 2.52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is right after he was at the temple, and he was obedient to his mother, and he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So you see the impact of his, of him being grace is that he grew in grace with man, God and man. So they looked on with, at him with favor. Do you remember I, uh, one of the promises to Moses was, I will... I will cause the Egyptians to show favor to you. Well, God caused man to show favor to Christ as he was growing up. Next is 422. Actually is the word grace, charis. All spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? So here is a huge contrast that's about to happen. Up till now, people were happy with what Jesus said. It says he grew in favor with God and with man. People were happy with what he said. Even here, as he was, as he was uh, quoting the, Eli- the Isaiah passage about the, the spirit of God is upon me, Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me. They say, 
they spoke well of him and marveled at his gracious words. And then comes the moment when there's this split. When no longer, people no longer show favor. They reject him. You remember? Because he says some things that start to poke them or separate them or divide divide them in their view of this gift from God. The gift in itself, grace, is from God. 4.22. Next verse, Luke 6.23. In the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. So the story of grace so far in the book of Luke is the story of being accepted and then starting to be rejected. The the separation between the, the haters and the favored ones. Then we have Luke 6, 32, 33, 34. Three verses in a row talk about grace. 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. 33. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And 34, and if you lend to to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. So where do we see in 32, 33, 34, where do we see this word charis? Now this is a twist. It's not in the word love. It's in the word credit. What credit is that to you? In, in this case, um, it could also be translated, King James translates it as, What thank have ye? What thank have ye? What thank have ye? How should that be thanked? Okay, next is Luke 8.13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. 10.17. And the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Remember that the word kara, it is now, it's the awareness of, of God's grace, favor, or joy. Even when it's being used in, in another way, it is reserved for God's grace, or an awareness of God's grace. So after the 72 returned, Jesus said to them, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, 
but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So he's directing them to how to have true joy. The real joy is your relationship to God's grace, right? Your place in heaven. Okay, we have Luke thirteen seventeen. As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. Okay, so here is joy being used accurately. Don't forget that that we saw in Mark that the the joy the the Pharisees, the temple leaders rejoiced when Judas went to to betray Christ. But here we're seeing Luke use this word specifically for the for enjoying God's favor and enjoying something from God and adversaries were put to shame but the people rejoiced at the glorious things and this is when Jesus healed the woman on the Sabbath day this is Luke 15 15 and when he has found it he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing this is the parable of the lost sheep this is very staggering to me we've been seeing the joy of people responding to God's grace but here, this is the shepherd rejoicing. The shepherd rejoices. And we know very clearly that that's a, an analogy f- that is a way that God referred to himself. That the shepherd rejoiced at the lamb being found. 15, se- 7 couple verses later, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So he's doubling the, the meaning here that truly, true joy, even in heaven, true joy comes from, from that relationship with God. In the parable of the lost coin, we have a repeat of the same phrase. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So the angels are, are singing this joy. And you remember, they were, they were so overjoyed. And remember, they were so overjoyed when they met with the shepherds. 1532, parable of the prodigal son. It was fitting to celebrate and be gl- glad for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. All three of those parables, the lost Sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, or the prodigal son, those all three have the rejoicing of being found, but the joy is in the father's side, is in the finder. God is rejoicing. Heaven is rejoicing. Okay, Luke 17, 9. Does he thank the servants because he did what he was told? This is the word grace. This is the charis, the gracias, the thanking. I don't know what to make of that. 1716, the ten lepers. He fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. 1811, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. 
This is the word eucharisteo, giving thanks. That's the word for thanksgiving. And here we have the hypocrite using it. The hypocrite who doesn't recognize his own sin, using the word, I thank God. And he thinks he's doing it the right way by pointing out his goodness and the other guy's badness. But Christ shows that, that in that parable that the heart attitude matters more than the thank, saying the words of thankfulness. Saying thankfulness isn't what matters. Being thankful is not what matters. What matters is the heart attitude. Okay, we have 19.6. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. This is the story of Zacchaeus. This is the real joy, Luke 19.37, triumphal entry. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. This is the true conclusion as far as his, his favor with man very soon there's going to be a division again between those who love him and those who don't love him. Luke 22, 5, And they were glad and agreed to give him money. This is when the, the chief priests and temple officers hear from Judas that he's going to trade Christ for money. Luke twenty two seventeen. Here's our Eucharisteo word. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. Luke twenty two nineteen. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In Matthew, we see one time that he uses this word about thankfulness, uh, about thanking, but here he uses it for both the bread and the wine. Luke 23, 8, and when Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he so, had long desired to see him, because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So here's gladness by a person who is being glad, the ironic kind of gladness like we saw a lot in Mark. Luke twenty four forty one. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? Disbelieved for joy and were marveling. By the way, there is another verse that mentions joy uh, and marveling at the same time. There was another verse that we read. Marveling. Luke twenty four fifty two, And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. This is after the ascension. Those are the times that joy, thankfulness, and grace, which is the root, are all found in Luke 27 times. What can we learn from this? The very, very beginning, it's, it's clear that grace comes through Christ. Grace came at the moment of Mary's hearing the Annunciation. We see that grace 
is favor, and we see that that favor can be quickly lost. We see people hating because of that grace. We see thankfulness and joy as part of this grace. As I said at the beginning, I have a feeling that grace is the thing between please and thank you. The thing that that ties please and thank you together. It's like a two-way energy. That's just, I'm trying to envision what this is in physical terms. Like a thing, power thing, between please and thank you. Why do we say thank you? Why do we say please? Politeness, we say please. Politeness, we say thank you. Politeness, because we're taught it's polite. But what does polite mean? Polite means treating others right, treating others with respect, appreciating. Why do we give when somebody says please? Well, please and thank you are actually from the same person, aren't they? person says please and they get it and they say thank you. So I'm wondering what is the relationship between showing favor to someone, saying please and thank you and greetings and grace. And we got introduced to another idea here. It means credit or thanks. What thanks is it to you? Well, that that would make sense. What thanks is it to you? What credit is it to you? But there's a reflexive aspect of it, isn't there? Back to the quote of the day. Only let us enjoy his smile. Let's consider this phrase from Spurgeon in light of what we read here. His smile is on those he favors. Smiles on things that bring pleasure to him. We smile at our kids, even as they say things wrong or or mess up or do nice things, even in a poor way. Draw a picture, even if it's not a perfect picture. We smile and delight in that, don't we? Because they are our children. And that, that relationship, that ownership makes us smile. Do we smile at other people? We smile when we see our friends. We greet them. We say hello and smile at them and are polite, have a seat, would you like something? There's a a givingness, so maybe maybe not the relationship between please and thank you, but the relationship between the giver and receiver of something, the favor, showing favor, showing favor. I'll, I'll figure this out, I'll figure this out, and we'll figure it out together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to know the thing that I feel is missing about my comprehension of grace. How favor, please and thank you, gracefulness, gracias, gratis, how how these are all related to the grace of God. One thing I know, grace was introduced to us in the New Testament. The word caris was introduced with the greeting to Mary and the introduction of Christ into the world. Help me to understand. Help us to understand this. 
especially in this season. We are very thankful that grace came into the world through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, question of the week. How does the rest of the world understand grace? Thank you for listening to Grace and Mercy podcast with author Darlene Bojek. This has been episode seven of season one, Finding Grace. You can find the show notes for this episode, including links to everything we talked about at graceandmercypodcast.com. Make sure to answer the question of the week on the show notes page. See you next time.